Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Welcome to Reloaded Monday, everybody. We have a flashback to the past. We have episode 117. That's when the audio was starting to get better, but it wasn't great. So bear with me. I try to touch these reloads up when I can, but we have gorilla men, doppelgangers, and demons. Oh my. We have Alika coming on the show today, and Alika started working with the confessionals back in like episode 40-ish. He started doing show art for us, and he still does it to this day at times. And Alika comes on to talk about these experiences. It was a really fun interview that I did with Alika. I know you guys are going to enjoy it again. But before we get into the reload today, I want to talk to you guys about the last day for the pre-sales of the new logo on the t-shirts. That's tomorrow, January 31st at midnight. When the clock strikes midnight on January 31st, switching to February 1st, we are done doing pre-sales and we're going to take those orders and send it off to the printer. If you've been kind of toying on the fence with it, let me just tell you, if you don't get it now, you may not get it for about a year or so. The way things are looking and working, uh, we are going to take the money we made from the pre-sales and we're going to double the order. So whatever the pre-sale number is, we're going to double it and create a stock. But that stock's not for the website. It's actually for events. When I go to do events like I am, uh, as you're going to hear tomorrow, I'm going to be speaking at BlurryCon, which is later in February. I want to have t-shirts to sell at these events because a lot of times people tell me, hey, I want to buy a t-shirt. Where are your t-shirts at these events? I don't have t-shirts. I never sell merch. I just show up with microphones. I'm like, you want to talk in the microphone? I can do that, but I don't have merch. And so I'm trying to change that up. So the doubling of the order is going to go towards the events because I'm going to be doing more events this year. And so if I have a surplus one of these days with t-shirts, I'll put it on the website for you guys to purchase at that point for sale, but that's not the priority. So if you want the t-shirts now and you don't want to wait until whenever it's for sale on the website, you want to get it in now, Hit the pre-orders. The links are in the description of this episode. And you can just go to theconfessionalspodcast.com and hit the store tab and get your pre-order right there. But if you don't want to and you want to wait, that's fine too. But if you want and you've been thinking about it, you want to do it soon because it's ending tomorrow. All right, let's get to this reload right now. Okay, I'll reload it. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster.
Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. Now, this week's show, we have two interviews coming on. The very first one we're going to listen to is Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast and many other podcasts. He comes on to talk about some spooky experiences that he's had. And then after Jim, we're going to have Alika, who is one of the show's artists who does the weekly show art. And he comes on to talk about different experiences that he's had, including gorilla men, doppelgangers, demons, and many, many other things. I can't wait for you guys to hear what Alika has to say. So let's get into it right now. Okay, today we have a great guest coming on. We have Jim Harold. Now, Jim, you have many podcasts. You have Campfire, uh, or I should say Jim Harold's Campfire, the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold's Crime Scene, and you actually just dropped a new podcast called Soulmate Stories. So, Jim, how, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm tired, actually. <laughs> I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me on the show, and congratulations with all of your success with The Confessionals. Well, I appreciate that, sir. I was really excited to have this conversation with you and just have you on and share some things and stuff. But before we get into uh, some of the stories that you'd like to share with us today, uh, what you, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the podcasts and stuff that I just kind of named off? Well, back in 2005, before some of you were born, no, <laughs> uh, I started a show called The Paranormal Podcast because, and I was reading your bio, Tony, and it's very similar. I was just really interested in this stuff. And I had had a broadcast background, ended up working in business, uh, in the business of media, but not in front of the mic, which is actually what I went to school for. So in 2005, I saw all these people were doing this podcasting thing. And I said, oh, I'll try it just for fun. Lo and behold, uh, I did it for several years as a hobby and it started picking up steam and I was able to go full-time with it in 2012. And uh, we have the Paranormal Podcast, which are interviews with experts uh, and so forth in the paranormal, supernatural, everything from UFOs, cryptid creatures, ghosts, the whole thing. Then we have Jim Harold's Campfire, which is a show where regular people call in and tell their stories of the supernatural. We've been doing that since 2009. Jim Harold's Crime Scene, where I interview uh, experts and authors about true crime cases. We've had uh, just recently had another Pulitzer Prize winner on that show. And then the newest one you talked about, and I'm really excited about, and we're recording this. I hope I'm not <laughs> blowing anything here, but we're recording this on Valentine's Day. It's called Soulmate Stories, and it's all about people's true stories of how they found their lifelong soulmate. And I'm doing that one with my wife, Dar, so I'm very excited about that one. And uh, we have a whole slew of premium podcasts I do, but I don't even really get into those. It's in similar topics, but I always steer new people to the, the free shows, which they can find at jimherald.com. Or they can find uh, on all the places you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where uh, Pandora, as I think you mentioned, you're on now, all those usual places. Uh, so we hope people uh, do check it out. And uh, the Campfire also, we have five books based on uh, the Campfire stories that we've gleaned over the years, and I'm working on a sixth. 
So uh, busy, busy over here at the spooky studio, as we call it. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? You're you're really onto something with the soulmate stories, especially. I I, I really love the idea. There's something about uh, people's real life stories, whether it's spooky stuff, soulmate stuff, or whatever. When people get to come on and share what happened to them and how things unfolded in their lives, a lot of people love listening to that kind of thing. It just there's something that people can connect to. So I, I really highly uh, encourage people to check out your podcast and uh, the new podcast, Soulmate Stories. It's very, very good. I've listened to Thank it. You. I love it. So, uh, Jim, you've had some uh, odd experiences in your life that you'd like to uh, share with our audience today. Well, the thing is, is that I've not had like the prototypical ghost experiences, but I've had some very bizarre experiences as has my, my wife. Um, I'm actually going to tell one of her stories because I think uh, you'll relate to it, and, and I think it's a pretty cool story. And then I'll tell quickly one of mine. Um, this happened back in 2001, and this was before I was ever podcasting, before really podcasting existed. So it wasn't one of those things where it happened. I said, Oh, this will be a neat show for a podcast because, again, it wasn't even invented at that time. Uh, my mother in law had been very ill. And she came for uh, in-home hospice back to her home. And I'd been married to my wife for a few years. We were a young couple at that time. We had a a little daughter who would have been almost two years old. And my mother-in-law, you know, obviously she was going towards the end, but we thought we had some time. And that particular evening that I'm going to tell you about, my wife was over there and I think I was home with my daughter. My mother-in-law kind of kept shooing away my wife, Dar, saying, you got to go home. Jim's there. Your your small child's there. You got to be with them. And she said, no, I'll stay here with you a little long. No, no, go home. So anyway, we didn't think anything of it. And she came home and we went to bed as usual, you know, 1130, whatever time of the night it was. And then I think about 1.30 or 2.30 in the morning, can't remember exactly which, um, she awoke. Now, I was asleep, as she jokes, I'm like uh, waking the dead when I'm asleep. And she looked over my shoulder and she saw Mother Mary glowing, uh, standing on my side of the bed. And I was oblivious. And the thing of it is, you need to know that Mother Mary was a big deal for my mother-in-law because she was Catholic and she would bring roses to the statue of Mother Mary. It was a whole thing for her. It was a big deal and very significant in her life. And then almost as fast as it happened, I think it lasted about 30 seconds, Mother Mary was gone. She was smiling. She said it was extremely peaceful and unlike anything you would see in any movie or artist depiction. So anyway, uh, and she says this was not a dream. She was fully awake. She goes back to sleep. She sleeps for an hour. The phone rings. It's my father-in-law. My father-in-law doesn't even say hello. She, he just basically says, she's gone. And my wife, you know, when you wake up and you pick up the phone, you're confused. What's, what's going on? And he said, she's gone. She said, well, who's gone? Your mother's gone. She passed away about a half hour ago. And even now, I get kind of choked up thinking about it. Yeah. And to me, that was my mother-in-law sending that sign through Mother Mary or whatever the case was, is that she had left, but, but she was going to a better place. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
the idea of Mother Mary popping up and stuff, uh, I've heard that before, and it's always, usually, always connected with somebody's passing. And uh, I, I just, I find that very, very fascinating and stuff. Uh, was that something that you guys kind of like found comfort in when you found out that she had passed? I think so, yes. I think so, yes. Because it was kind of an assurance. Yes, she's gone from this physical plane, but she's gone to a better place. That's the way we took it. That's the way we took it. I had another story that is not, um, well, it's not quite as sweet, but it's cool. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was lucky enough to be asked to be um, a participant in a paranormal cruise where people would sign up and come to this cruise and meet me and uh, and some other people in the paranormal field, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Micah Hanks, and so on. I was very honored to do it. So the one day we were at sea and uh, we were in this they had a nice conference room, and uh, I I had a bit of a cold. Uh, not not a lot of fun when you're on a cruise, but I had a cold. And I was uh, speaking, and I said, you know what? I'm going to, uh, in between sessions, go grab some coffee just to kind of warm up the pipes a little. So I walk out, and it's right next to the the casino for the ship. You have to walk through the casino to get to the cafe with the coffee. And one of the gentlemen who was an attendee who was listening to our talks that day is playing like this claw machine that has uh, money in it. Now, if you know those claw machines, like when you go to a store and they've got the little stuffed animals and it's got the, the really polished claws where the stuffed animal falls off invariably. Well, the thing of it was, was that had a lot of significance for me, those claw machines. I almost stopped in my tracks. I very specifically thought of my uncle who had passed in 2013, and he had been like a second dad to me. And for some reason, he loved those claw machines. And he would go and he would try to win um, for my daughters or anybody. He would try to uh, win one of these things, and he would spend, you know, 7 or $8 trying to win a 99-cent stuffed doll. <laughs> so he loved these things. I thought about them very intensely. And I said, uh, you know, I wish he were here. He would love playing that. That would be so cool. <laughs> and I just thought about him very intensely. And about two seconds later, this woman walks upside next to this gentleman playing this crane machine. And she cups her hand to her mouth and she says, John, John. Um, ostensibly calling out to her husband or something she's with. Guess what the name of my uncle was? John. His name was John. <laughs> now to me, and again, yeah, the skeptic will say that was a coincidence. That was just something that happened, right? I personally believe that was my uncle somehow connecting the dots and getting a message to me. It was like, hey, you're thinking about me. I'm thinking about you too. I mean, it was just too big of a coincidence to be a coincidence in my view. Sure. So those are those are my two stories. So I think we live on. I think there's communication that goes on. And I know a lot of times when on the campfire, we talk about a lot of scary stories. And there's a lot of scary stories on there. So if people love that kind of stuff. They can certainly tune in. There's some of those sweet stories too. And I think that it's like life. Life is a continuum. There's good and there's bad. There's happy and there's sad. There's 
you know, a positive influence, there's evil influence. I think the paranormal and the supernatural is like that. It's a whole continuum and we try to cover it all on the campfire. Well, that's awesome, sir. That's awesome. Uh, let me ask you a quick question here. Uh, with the idea of your uncle communicating with you and stuff, uh, is that something that you find uh, in a lot of the stories that you hear on the show with, with those kind of things where uh, people are, you know, they feel like somebody's communicating with them from the other side. Uh, is that something that's popular on the show a lot? Oh yeah. We hear it all the time. And, and sometimes it's very direct and sometimes it's more subtle, but it's there. And it's usually the, the thing is it's in a very distinct way. that's very personal to the experiencer, like that claw machine. Anybody else that would have meant nothing to, but to me, I knew the significance. So I think they know what will, uh, touch us and what will reach us. And they, they seize upon that thing to get their message across. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh, before we get out of here, let people know where to find you again. Jimherald.com. That's J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. And they can find all the free podcasts, uh, the books. We even have an email newsletter so you can keep up with all the shows that cost zero dollars. And, uh, uh, Appreciate the time to come talk with you, Tony, and the the audience of The Confession. All right, today we have a great guest coming on. We actually have one of our show's artists on the line today. Uh, if you guys were to follow us on social media or on the website, you would see uh, the artwork that's custom every week for that week's show. And we have two different artists that do that. And one of the artists, his name is Alika, and he's in Hawaii, and he's on the line right now. Alika, how you doing, man? Doing awesome, man. Doing I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. So uh, you've had some crazy experiences that uh, I didn't really know about. I mean, when we're talking about uh, the show art from week to week and stuff, sometimes you talk about you know what inspired you and sometimes your own personal experiences come up in conversation. And we always talk about sometimes about having you come on. And then you sent me a list of some things that you went through. And we're talking about some doppelgangers, e- evil reflections and mirrors, uh, little boy ghosts. And I was just like, bro... I don't know how I never had you on the show yet, but let's do this. And so here we are. Uh, you've had some crazy experiences, man. And I know we just talked about having you do it in chronological order. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of start off from the beginning with that little boy ghost. Okay, so I'll start off with, uh, yeah, so my, my background a little bit. I've always had paranormal experiences, and that's what attracted me to the show, uh, because I've always had a deep interest in it because of it's always happened in my life. And so this is one of those many things, and this is probably um, the most consistent places that I've, that I've, or one of the most consistent places that I've experienced anything paranormal. And so this is my uh, ex-fiance's house. Um, I'll call her D. So my ex-fiance's house, and uh, she told me a little bit about it, that her house is a little bit haunted. Um, but I did not know to what extent. And so I show up, uh, we just started dating. I'm at our house and we had a, a, a little family lunch. Um, so a little get together and some people had already left and, uh, I'm all full with food. I'm ready to take a nap. So I go into her room to take a nap and the way the house is set up is you walk into the front door 
you see a uh, big living room, a kitchen right behind that, and then it's a straight shot outside to the backyard, big sliding doors, and then on the right-hand side is a long hallway with all the rooms, starting with the bathroom, and then her brother's room, and then her parents' room, and her room's all the way at the end. So uh, I'm, I'm about 26 at the time, so about six years ago, six or seven years ago. So back to the... Um, the family get together. I'm ready to go take a nap. I'm all full. So I go into the room to lie down. Uh, I'm just starting to doze off a little bit. She comes into the room, tells me she's going to go shopping with her brother. Uh, they're going to go grab some food. I was like, oh, okay. Sounds good. And so she walks out of the room. And maybe about, I don't know, five or ten minutes later, I'm still, still kind of awake and I'm still dozing in and out of sleep. Um, but I can still hear. I'm still aware of what's going on around me. And I hear footsteps coming down the hallway. And I hear them coming all the way down the hallway, through the doorway, into the room, and right next to me. So I'm lying down on my stomach, and my feet are to the door. And so the footsteps stop right there, right next to me, next to the bed. And I'm completely expecting Dee to, to say, oh, okay, so we're going to leave now. See you later, and I'll be back, or whatever, something. I'm just expecting that, and uh, I hear nothing, so I find it kind of weird, and I open my eyes, and I look next to the bed, and nothing's there. Nobody's there. Um, and I'm completely confused, because I didn't hear anybody leave. I heard somebody come in the room, stop right there. So I get up, and I'm thinking, okay, this might be one of her nieces and nephews that were there for the family party. So I walk outside. Uh, nobody is home except for her mom. And her mom is just coming in from the backyard. So I look at her mom like, oh, is, is he around? Is um, anybody else home? And she goes, no, just us. Like, oh, okay. So now I'm thoroughly freaked out. Because she told me Dee had left with her brother about 10 minutes earlier. And I have no idea what's going on. So I explained to her what's happening. And she proceeds to explain to me, like, oh, okay, so you met him. Oh, okay, so he just he went to go greet you. He must like you. I was like, oh, who's he? And then she tells me about this little boy ghost that's in the house, haunting this house. And she, her first introduction to it was years and years before. So apparently these parents um, had known of this ghost since they first moved in in, in like, the, the late 70s, early 80s. And so she, her first introduction to this little boy ghost was when, she, when they were much younger and she was vacuuming the living room. And so she just vacuumed. You know like how they, you got lines in the, the carpet when you vacuum, right? Yeah. So she had just finished vacuuming the living room. And she went into the kitchen. She, she came back out into the living room and she sees little footsteps, little kids' footsteps all over the living room carpet. And nobody's home except her. So she's super freaked out. Um, her dad shared an experience and he hates talking about it. Because he's, he's old school generation tough guy. You know, he's in the military, everything. Like, does not want to talk about anything paranormal. But he said, even he said one time, um, he was going to go use the bathroom at the very beginning of the hallway. Turned back to go towards his room. And he sees a little boy, a shadow of a little boy right in the middle of the hallway. And, like, he started, he just was frozen. He started walking toward it. And this little boy ran down the hallway and disappeared. And so 
there's there's this entity that lives there that I had no clue about, and apparently he likes me. So <laughs> that <laughs> was my first introduction to the paranormal experiences in this house. And so I started asking Dee about it, and so she was telling me, you know, uh, that she's had her dreams about all of this stuff going on, and there's other things there, and she doesn't know what they are. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, that's cool. But I don't know I'm used to this by now, so I'm like, okay, I'm kind of interested. This is kind of what I've been going for my whole life, where I always went ghost hunting before as a as a younger guy, and uh, it's like, okay, I've hit the gold mine. I don't have to go hunting for them. I'm right here, like they're here. So we're gonna have something pop off. And so as they you know, I, I was with her for about a, a year and a half, um, so or almost two years. So in that time, four other occurrences happened. So that was my introduction to it with the little boy coach. And so the uh, the next one, the demonic doppelganger. So this one really threw me off. Yeah. So the first the, the way. <laughs> So the way this, this happened, my introduction to that was, again, I was in the bedroom, I was in her room, and uh, I think we were looking for movie times or something. So this is a couple months after the little boy thing. So I think we were looking for movie times or something. I was checking something on my phone, and I wanted to go tell her whatever I found on my phone, and I walked down the hallway, and I'm with my peripheral vision. Um, if you're going down the hallway from her room at the very end, her brother's room is about halfway down the hallway. And her brother had a pull-up bar in his doorway and he had his clothes um, hanging on the pull-up bar. So all those clothes are hanging and I'm walking down and I walk past his room, but out of my peripheral vision, I see um, these legs right next to his bed. So I, I turn and I go, hey, babe, so uh, blah, 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 whatever I had to tell her. Pretty sure it was a movie time. And so I'm talking and I face her and I'm talking to her, what I think is her. And then I hear her voice from the kitchen. She goes, What? I was like, Uh, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I look up immediately because I, I get, I just get this cold, this cold feeling start from the tip of my head all the way down my body, this chill. I'm like, uh, and I move the clothes. I look up. I move the clothes. Nothing is there. Nobody's there. But I saw, I swear, I saw feet and legs standing right next to her brother's bed. Right there. And so nothing is there. And I'm like, uh, I thought you were in the room. She's like, why did you think I was in the room? I saw your legs in the room. And so <laughs> she's just like, what? <laughs> I think you left your legs in the room, you know, like I totally freaked out and threw it off. She's like, what? You saw me in the room. And so I walk out there. No, of course, once again, nobody else is home except for me and her. And she then tells me, you know, it's like an onion, just layers just keep coming out after everything that happens, more stuff keeps coming out. And so she tells me that she has a, a, what she called a dark double. But I was like, what? So she explains it to me. And uh, this is kind of like in my, my ballpark that I, that I would spend a lot of time in because I had a lot of friends who were into paranormal and occult and any, any which 
which beliefs you want to you wanna choose. I had a friend for every one of them. And she was the same way. And so she explained to me that she had a, what, what was called a demonic double or a dark double, where somebody, uh, I guess a, a psychic or a, a medium or a sensitive had told her that he saw a, a double version of her, like a shadow that was always following her around. And it was like a, a dark, jealous re- reproduction of her. So it's like her dark side, but it's external and it would follow her around. So I'm like, okay, um, that could explain it a little bit, you know? So I, I think that every, I think all of that with a grain of salt until it happens to me, like I, I am open to everything, but if until it happens to me, I don't believe it, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it's a pretty good indication. Could have been a fluke. Maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me. Fine. So a couple months go by, I try to forget about it. And that leads to the third occurrence, which is the um, demonic doppelganger in bed. So it's not as fun as you think. No. It's not as fun as it sounds. But um, <laughs> so I'm in there. I mean, uh, I'm in her room again. But we had gone out and we stayed out really late. I think it was four in the morning by the time we got back home. So again, it's just us. And so we we're in a room, we're sleeping, and I have no clue what time this was or anything like that. All I know is out of dead sleep, I'm sleeping on my stomach, I'm on the left side of the bed. Out of dead sleep, I just shoot up into full awareness, into a full push-up stance. That's how I woke up. I woke up from feeling myself push myself up into a full push-up stance, and I'm basically planking in bed. I'm in this state of terror and panic, and I don't know why. So I'm I'm up I'm up on um uh, on my hands, and I look over to my right, you know. So I'm I'm just checking to see if if uh, D is still there. So I look over to my right. She's lying down, and she's not facing me. And she's so she was um Korean, Chinese, and Filipino. So she's got this long black Asian hair, right? So she's. I, I just see that. Okay, she's turned away from me. All right. And then I'm like, okay. And then I look back down, straight down, and uh, I see her again. And she's lying down on the other side of me. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> so my brain is not calculating. So I'm looking down. I see her lying there. But it's it's like she's really, really close. And so... I look, I, I look and I see at my hand, I notice that my, uh, my left arm is going straight through her head. Yo. And yeah. So I just immediately, like, I understandably jump out of bed, freaking the F out. And I'm like yelling. I'm like, Hey, wake up, wake up. And she's like, what's going on? What's wrong? She wakes up out of a deep sleep. And I'm like, I just saw you, you were here, and then you were here, and, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on right now, like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so, she was saying that, like, in what, in her dream that she was having, she just came back to bed to lie down. And I was like, this is, this is crazy, this is too much, so... She had this this dream that she was going through the hallway and she came back to the room 
to lie down. It just so happens I wake up in a, in a dead sleep panic and I see this apparition of an exact copy of her lying down. Next. I had no idea what to think. Wow. Yeah. But that was probably the most intense visual uh, paranormal experience that I've ever had. I think it was because I, I had no expectation of it whatsoever. It woke me up out of sleep. I was already in panic and this whole thing happens. And that will, that will always be burned into my head. I'll never forget seeing my, my left arm go straight through the head of somebody else that's right next to me on the other side. It's so weird. It's like a mirror image. So that one, that one totally, totally threw me off. And um, the next one was uh, an auditory experience. So another couple months go by. And uh, once again, <clears throat> me and DR are, are at home um, by ourselves. We were actually house-sitting because some of the family had gone, including her parents, had gone to uh, Vegas. So we were house-sitting, and uh, this is pretty late at night. We were just sitting out in the living room on the couch watching some TV. And so she's lying down. Uh, she's got her head in my lap, lying down, and she's sleeping. And I'm just kind of petting her head. And I lie back, and I'm starting to doze off a little bit. Um, so. I lean back, and just when I'm about to just go into sleep, and I'm petting her head, I'm you know, still moving my hand, I hear this clear, audible female whisper right into my ear. And it's like she's whisper screaming, stop it. And she just says that right here, and my eyes shoot open. And <laughs> like, I don't want to panic me at this point. I'm just like done. Like she knows already. I'm pretty sure you're used to it. So I'm just there like trying to calm down, bring down my heart rate and like better head a little bit. And uh, the only thing I could attribute that to was her double. And so I told her about it later. And, um, you know, she was saying, yeah, because uh, according to the person that, that saw that I had a double, he said I was very uh, jealous. It was like the, the, all the negative, all the negativity in her, like manifested into this other thing that was like her her evil twin, I guess you could say, right? So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. She's jealous, and maybe she wanted to lie down next to me instead of you. I don't know. Like that was that was super weird. And so that event happened, and. Um, that led up to the final thing that happened there, or at that house anyway, uh, was the evil reflection. And so that evil reflection was, that one sent chills down both our spines because it wasn't just me hearing it. It wasn't just me seeing it this time. It was me and her sitting there watching the same thing happen. So there's a, there's another witness to corroborate, you know? So she told me about this mirror in her room. She always had it covered. And, you know, one day I asked her, Oh, why do you always have it covered? She said, it just gives me this weird feeling. It just feels really weird when I look at it. It's like my reflection is looking at me. I'm not looking at it. You know, I was like, that's super weird. Okay. So what makes you think it's a bad thing? And she's like, I just get this bad vibe. 
And so I said, okay, I want to take a look at it because um, you know, in the past, starting in high school, I just uh, started learning about how to keep myself safe because I was, I was, as a kid, I would get tormented a lot by these unseen things that I never understood um, until, until later on in life. And I understood what they were and, and how, to, how to manage and how to deal with it. And so I had learned how to, to use that belief to keep myself spiritually safe and keeping things, uh, to keep things away from me or expel things out of the space that I occupy. And so I said, okay, maybe I can go and look at it. Maybe I can get rid of whatever's there. Uh, maybe we can take that mirror back. I don't know. Let's try it out. I just want to see what happens. So she uncovers the mirror. We both sit there in front of the mirror. I get myself into this space where I'm open, you know, like where I can, I can feel the vibes basically. Sounds super dippy dippy and woo woo, but that's exactly what I did. You know, I just sat there and, and tried to try to tune in, see what's going on. So I'm looking at the, the reflection just to see if, you know, maybe I'll experience what she experienced. So we're both looking at the reflection. We're both trying to get into this state of uh, being open to whatever's going on. And I'm looking all over the mirror, just looking all around, looking at the wood that, uh, you know, surrounding the frame. And this, this is an old mirror, too. It's like an antique mirror. But, you know, everybody's got this stigma about antiques that, you know, maybe something followed the antique. So my eyes are scanning the images in the mirror. And it just so happens to scan all, I just get up, up to my own eyes. I look down at my own eyes and me, me and D are looking at it at the same time. And I just see my eyes look at me because my eyes are, so it's weird. My eyes are still moving, trying to scan. They're constantly moving uh, around the mirror slowly. But I notice that my eyes in, the, in my reflection aren't moving. They're looking straight at me. Wow. And then I, then I see this smirk. I see this smirk on, on my face in the reflection. And it's just the most evil look. Like, it looks like the eyes are looking straight through me. And I, and I know it sounds weird for me to say, oh, I didn't see my eyes moving because who can see their eyes moving? If you're not looking at your eyes, you can't see them not moving. So, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's just this, it's just this this gaze that is held and stuck there, and it's just like it's looking through me. And the thing that set it off was that smirk, man, because I know I wasn't smirking. I wasn't I wasn't making any expression on my face, and this thing smirks at me, and I look over at this reflection. And her mouth just opens up and I'm just like, oh, that kid, that made me panic extra hard because it's like in a scary movie when the scary part comes up and you think you've got it. But the person next to you screams and all of a sudden you want to scream. And that's exactly how I felt seeing this reflection because she, she, she was totally shocked. She like backs up. She kind of pushes me and backs up from the mirror. I was like, you saw that. And she's like, yeah. I saw that it's smirk. You weren't smirking. I know you weren't smirking because I was at you and looking back at the mirror. I know you weren't smirking. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't smirking. But you saw that look. She's like, it was so evil. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and so we're, we just immediately leave the room. And needless to say, we got rid of that mirror pretty quickly. Like, there was no expelling to be done on that mirror. Just for it to look at me that way, like, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think you've got a handle on this. <laughs> yeah, you might yeah, be in, yeah. might be in over your head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So this one was that was a super chilling one. I've never experienced anything like that where my own reflection is like uh, is interacting with me. Like it's so weird. That's one of the freakiest things that I've I've, I've seen visually. But number one definitely goes to the evil doppelganger right next to me. That was, that was the freakiest one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so she, she, she just had this, um, it's like she was, a as a person, she was a magnet for this kind of stuff. Uh, because as soon as I started dating her, we, she first started, um, you know, hanging out at my place before. So, she would always spend time there and I, I started noticing an uptick in weird activity at my house after I started dating her. So one of those things, the first thing that happened at my house, we were like, we we're dating for maybe two weeks, two or three weeks. And so she was, she was sleeping at my house and I was, uh, I was out at a, at a party and she called me up at one in the morning and she told me, or she asked me, like, uh, are you almost done with the party? And I was like, oh, wow, what's going on? I'm thinking in my head already, like, oh, no, she's insecure. Like, we're three weeks in. Like, we're two, three weeks in. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Oh, what did I get myself into? So that's my first assumption. She's like, okay, because I'm really freaked out right now. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, so why are you freaked out? So she was lying down. She's sleeping in the living room. And... This, uh, uh, I, had, I had a fan in the living room, a standing fan. And she said that um, the fan turned on by itself and oscillated completely one time. And she woke up because she, of course, heard the fan go off and, um, or go turn on. And then she felt the, the air. And so she, she turned around and she looked at it and it oscillated one full time. And then it stopped. And this is uh this is one of those dial fans. Like you've got to turn the. It was an older fan. Yeah, you, you have to turn the dial to to get it to turn on. So it wasn't like a touch control, nothing like that. Old school fan. And so I was like, that's super weird. So you know, it was about time for me to go home anyway. So I went home and I checked out the fan. And I was like, maybe there's a surge or something. I don't know. Did anything else go off or did you smell any burning or anything? She's like, no, I didn't smell anything. So I checked out the outlet. Everything was fine. Um, uh, I'm, I'm mechanically inclined. So I took the, the, the fan apart to go look, if, see if anything shorted out. If one of the, one of the uh, coils in the motor was, was touching a casing somewhere, if something, something happened. And so I opened it up and nothing, there's, there's no sign of it. And it never turned back on again. It never worked again. No matter what, not, there was no black burn on the, the plug. There was nothing on the outlet to, to tell me that there was a power surge. Nothing else. No reset clocks. Because this was on, um, so one outlet was just for the fan. And the other outlet had an extension cord for my entertainment center and all, and all that. But nothing else was on. There was no surge. I couldn't find any reason for it. And, um... Uh, my background was an electrician. I used to work for Pearl Harbor as an electrician. So I was, uh, I was well versed with diagnosing and troubleshooting stuff. And it was just, 
I couldn't find any explanation for it. So I thought that was really weird. And that was one of the weird things that happened. The first weird things that happened when she showed up uh, at my place. And um, the next, uh, she wasn't home one day. She was, she went back home to go uh, to, to hang out with her family. And so I was uh, at home alone and I was just getting down to sleep. And uh, the house I used to live in was a, was a old plantation style house. It was a two bedroom, all wood on, on um, a raised house. So the bottom is, is hollow. So I was just getting down to bed and I hear what sounds like macho man, Randy Savage jumping off the top ropes and elbowing the ground. Like it was the loudest boom I've ever heard in that house. Aside from me dropping some weights when I was working out and it immediately shot me out of bed. And, uh, I had no idea what it was because sometimes Sometimes there's cats that would put, that would fight underneath the house and they would like bump and whatnot. Sometimes they would hit um, what would be right underneath the floor. But I heard nothing like that. I actually went outside to with my flashlight to go look for some anything that was going on underneath there. Nothing. There's no signs of any disturbance. As you can tell, it's there are cats fighting. There's stuff all over the place and uh, there's a lot of dust and dirt. You can see the footprints and all that. But nothing. No sign of any disturbance. And I look in the hallway, there's no marks on the floor or anything like that. And it sounded like it was right outside the door, like this, a giant boom. So that was the second thing that happened when she showed up and I'm starting to notice a pattern, you know, (laughs) there's, there's some weird stuff going on with this one. And, uh, probably the weirdest thing. So this is some of the, uh, bonus material that uh, I didn't mention in the message. So this one was probably one of the, uh, the weirder experience I had with the D. Um, you know what, what astral projection is. So uh, I've heard other guests on the show talk about that a little bit. And so for people who don't know what it is, it's uh, basically where your soul or consciousness leaves your body and you can travel to other places, but in real time. And so your consciousness can observe things remotely without you uh, physically observing it in your body. So it's, it sounds kind of woo and kind of out there, but here was my experience with that. So that uh, Dee was known as um, a natural traveler. So she's told that by her, her crowd of her group of friends that, uh, you know, also told her that she had a an evil double. So she was a natural traveler, meaning that when she would go to sleep, she would leave her body, her, her soul, her consciousness would leave her body, and she would travel to all kinds of different places. And now things are starting to click with me. So she told me this after the, the whole um, uh, demonic doppelganger thing, right? So she told me all of this after all of that and i was like okay it's starting to make sense now starting to click now because she had a dream that she was walking through the hallway and then lying lying down in bed and then i see this thing right next to me okay so it's starting to make sense so 
this night, she had, uh, for the two weeks prior to this, she was having a rough time, uh, a real emotional roller coaster. And um, so she needed some space. So she ended up going to sleep, falling asleep by herself in my room. And this is at my house. And she had fallen, fallen asleep normally. You know, and by normal, I mean her head is on the pillow. Her feet is where her feet normally is, how we normally sleep. And you'll see why I mention that detail. Um, as the story progresses, so I go to sleep, she's already asleep and I end up waking up in the middle of the night, uh, and I have this quote unquote dream. And I know, I know it's not a dream, uh, and you'll see why. So I pop up, I sit up and everything is pitch black, but everything is strobing like this super bright white light is strobing and it's strobing in sync with my heartbeat. And, um, and my heart is racing because I, I woke up in this state of like hyper-awareness and kind of borderline panic. So my heart is racing, the strobe is going off, and I see all this, all this stuff going on, and I'm wondering what the hell is going on. And so I noticed that I'm, I'm moving over, and I, I can see my feet. And I'm flexible, but I'm not that flexible. And so I'm, I'm extra curious as to what's going on now because I'm looking straight down at my feet and I look to my left and I see that D is her head is right there by my feet. I'm like, that's weird. And then I look into the corner of the room right by where D's head is and I see this thing in the corner of the room. And it it looks like a negative uh photo where Everything that's supposed to be white is black and everything that's supposed to be black is white. And it's, it's this, it looks like a, a monkey, like a gorilla man. Uh, just the facial features, just everything that it is. And its pupils, its eyes are completely black. Its pupils, its pupils are white and it's staring straight at me. And it's sitting in the corner of the room, kind of hunched over and like it's like, like it's almost too deep. It's trying to get to her and it's looking at me like, what are you going to do about it? And I speak to it and I, and I notice that my, my, my body, whatever, it starts rising up and I'm trying to speak to it, but I'm speaking to it, not with my mouth, but with my mind. And I'm telling it to leave, get the F out of here. And it's looking at me and it's giving me this look like, okay, I'm not leaving. And so it's getting more aggressive. And I just feel this, this super aggressive uh, uh, tone and, and face, uh, facial expressions coming at me. And everything starts strobing really hard. Like my, my heart is starting to race now because it's, I'm getting into a fight now. And so this thing comes at me it full on uh puts its arms and hands straight up to my shoulders like it's trying to choke my neck and i do the same thing where i'm fighting it but i, I can't see my arms and my my hands but i know i'm fi i'm fighting this thing off so we're in this we're in this battle in my room in this strobing environment and i'm i'm trying my hardest to fight this thing away and I end up pushing it away and out my, like, it goes through the wall 
and out into my backyard and I'm watching it leave this whole time, but it's looking at me, it's backing up and it's looking at me like I'm, I'm going to come back. Like it's ain't over, buddy. And it's just got those white pupils are just burning a hole in my memory in my memory. Cause I still see it backing up and, and kind of moving away, but just staring at me like this isn't over, but I got it away. So I got it away. And as soon as I watch it leave and it dissipates into the distance, I get sucked back into my body and my eyes open and I am like, I'm in a sweat already. And now like my, I, I can feel my body. I see my, my arms and I know I'm in my body. And I'm like, Oh, and I wake up and I, and I, um, see that B is lying down exactly the way I saw her in this quote unquote dream. She is, uh, her head is where my seat is at. And so I was like, okay, that wasn't a dream. And I, I wake her up and I just ask her, can you please lie down normally? Can you please just, just put your head on the pillow? She's like, oh, all right. No, she's groggy. She doesn't know why I'm waking her up in the middle of her sleep. But the next day I tell her about this whole thing. And she was like, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't really sleep until... He told me to put my head at the pillow. I didn't even know that I turned around like that. I was like, okay, so, so you weren't, you weren't sleeping at all before. She's like, no, I was just, I was just, I kept waking up and going back to sleep. I was having horrible nightmares. And then after you told me to, after you woke me up to, uh, to tell me to put my head on the pillow and that I was sleeping the wrong way, then I could, then I slept through the whole night. I was like, huh, that's weird. Okay. So. That one was a uh, was a super weird experience that I had. Yeah, nothing nothing tops nothing tops the double that that doppelganger. I don't know, that. man. I, I don't know because <laughs> what you just said and stuff. I'm just like j- my jaw is dropped. I mean, I'm just like. <laughs> I mean, it, that thing had, like you were talking about a, an onion earlier with that relationship, you know, it, it's like everything was an onion where you peel back another layer. I mean, that story was like an onion. I mean, it was like you had so much crap going on there. Do you think that that, whatever it was that you were having this, um, for lack of better terms, a battle with, do you think that caused your um, experience? I think so. I, I really do because it, it just, uh, just thinking about the connections between the appearance of this thing and then how everything was only black and white, how I could only see everything in black and white. And this thing was like a, like a, a negative, it looked like a negative photograph of a person. Um, it kind of, there's consistencies there. And I feel like maybe, maybe it was calling me into its dimension or something like that to fight. Maybe I, woke up and the only reason I could fight it off was because I had actually projected into its dimension where I could see it, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of discussion about how, um, maybe Bigfoot could be interdimensional or how grays when there's, uh, abductions, how they can be on a different plane because they can take you through walls when you're, uh, when you're abducted by them. It's like they're different. They can control the vibration of, whatever's going on in this material plane and maybe they can travel through dimensions. And so that's kind of my theory with, uh, with ghost entities, demons that they're always around, but we can't interact with them if we don't 
have the same vibration. In the same way that polarized lenses can cut out glare because it's got, you know, the light, the light can only enter in certain directions. Maybe that's the way our consciousness works, where we can only see what we see as we do because that's all we can accept. And maybe some people have different lenses that they can see other things through. And I feel like that experience was a trip into a different, with a different lens where I could, I could see it. I could interact with it because I'm in its realm where I'm, I'm uh, interacting with it as an astral body or as, as a consciousness, not as a physical being. And, you know, I, I just hear things about how, how uh, you have alien abductions and they say that they speak to you telepathically. And that's exactly the same way this thing was speaking to me telepathically. And that's how I was speaking to it. And I've never done that in at all in my life. Like I've never spoken to anybody telepathically, but somehow I knew how to do it. And I was, I was interacting with this, this entity uh, without words, without any physical actual hard physical touch so yeah i think i think it's totally connected to to what happened to that whole event did anything ever happen again since then like did you ever feel like that thing returned to you know like it, like you had that feeling it was kind of come back or it was telling you like i'm i'm gonna come back did you ever feel like it did come back and did you ever tell your girlfriend what happened um yeah yeah uh i i told her about it i told her what happened um after she said, you know, I, how she was having a hard time sleeping. And uh, I explained the whole thing to her and she was she's pretty freaked out. I mean, understandably, uh, to think that you're, you're the object of some demonic ent- entity or aggressive entity's affection, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not uh, very, very calming or settling at all. And so she, she was bothered by it, but I, you know, I, I told her, well, I fought it off. So at least I can, I can do something about it, you know, so I, I, you should feel safe at least marginally with me. So I told her about that. Something else happened after that. <clears throat> so connected to that thing, I was told by uh, one of my, one of my other friends that are into this whole thing, all of this uh, paranormal stuff. And he told me that, uh, that entity is now outside in the yard. So it stays outside now. I, I guess I, I kicked it out and I kept it out, but it still looks into the house. It still does things, you know, like through the windows and whatnot. It still will mess with me. And, you know, I've had little weird occurrences in the house where something would be knocking on the wall. And it was like, it was, it sounded like somebody's knocking on the door. Um, sounds like a person. It doesn't sound like a branch. There's no, there were no trees that were touching my, my house, nothing like that, but it sounded like something was knocking on the wall and it would do it only when I'm alone. And, and, uh, when I'm about to fall asleep, that's kind of always when stuff would mess with me, even when, even as a kid. And so there's that, there was a little knocking on the wall, but the real thing that, that bothered me and not scared me, but yeah, it just bothered me was um, when I started dating my uh, my now wife. Uh, she had a son before me, and so he was uh, he was about two years old when I met him. And 
we're about a year into the relationship and he was sleeping over. And so he wanted to sleep in this little fort that we made in my second room that I had. So my, there was my bedroom and there was a second room. So he ended up going into the, the room and he, he had never been afraid of the dark, really. Uh, even now, he's not really afraid of the dark. So I found it really weird that he was sleeping in that that second room and me and um, my wife, we were outside in the living room and uh, he ran outside just terrified. And we were like, what's going on? Like he was screaming. He couldn't even talk. He was just crying profusely and, and he couldn't really put any words together. And by this time, like he's three years old. So yeah, we expect that, but he could, he could articulate his thoughts to us. He could, he could speak to us in a way that we could understand at this point. So he couldn't speak. He, he was just panicked and, and terrified. And he finally calmed down and he took us to the room and he, he told us that somebody was coming through the window. And I was like, what? And so we were there and I stood there and I was looking for anything, like anything that would look like something coming to the way. Like maybe he was mistaken. Maybe it was shadows. But, you know, I remember saying stuff like that when I was a kid and nobody believed me. So I want to believe him. <clears throat> but I want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's a real concern. Maybe it, maybe it maybe was mistaken. I don't know. So I'm looking around and my wife, I, she's standing at the doorway looking into the room. The light is on now. So she's standing at the doorway and I'm looking around the room for anything that it might be. And she screams. And I'm like, and I, once again, it's like that us being in a, where we're, we're two people in a scary movie and I'm not panicking, but as soon as she screams, I'm going to get, I'm going to scream. So I'm like, Oh, what, what, what's going on? So she screams and she goes, there was a, there was a, uh, uh, there was a, a face in the curtain. And I was like a face in the curtain. And I look up and I'm like, I don't, what is going on? And she goes, there was a face. She comes on. There was a face in the curtain. I know this is going to sound super, super weird. Like I know I'm imagining things, but the wind came through the curtain and there was a, it looked like somebody's head was coming, behind, uh, coming through, like trying to come out of the curtain. And I was like, no way. She goes, no, I could see a head. I could see a face. I could see this big flat, like nose, like nostrils, but it looked like a gorilla. And I was like, oh my God. So I make the connection there. Wow. That, and I'm, I can't say for sure that it's the same thing, but Jake, Jacob, my, um, my stepson, he sees this thing, he tells us he sees like a man trying to come through the window. And it's this big, dark guy coming through the window. And then my wife, as we're trying to look for this thing, she sees a head coming. Uh, she sees the form of a face behind the curtain. Like it's trying to come through the window. And I'm just like, okay, so I guess it's not over then. So that was the uh the only thing that happened after that and we've moved out of that house now now we live in a different place but that was the last thing uh connected to that 
that entity that happened in that house. Wow, man. Dude, so do you think that entity was strictly connected to that house or was it to the ex-girlfriend and she kind of brought it to that house? I mean, that that's crazy that your your wife and stepson saw what you battled uh, during your out-of-body experience. Right, right. And it freaked me out. And I don't know if it was just connected to D um, or if it was... If, or if it's connected to me. So a little backstory on that house that I, I used to live in, my old house. So there, that house was on a lot. There were three houses on that lot. The house I lived in was all the way at the end, all the way at the back of the lot. Um, and then my, my mom lived in the middle house, and then my grandpa lived in the front house. Now, when we first moved into that lot, it was just my grandpa that had a house in that lot. My grandpa lived in, in my old house. He lived in the house that I was living first. So that was when I was like five years old. He moved into that house. Um, and he lived in that house until I was about 15. And then he moved into the first house. Now, when I was 26, I moved in. Oh, sorry. When I was 24, I moved into that that house that um that my grandpa first moved into now when my grandpa was living there and i was a five-year-old i would play in the yard all the time by myself but i would always feel uncomfortable whenever i was around this orange tree that grew in the yard and that orange tree like it, it gave us sweet oranges and all that stuff like nothing was too weird about it but i always felt like something was watching me when I would play by that orange tree in the yard. And so I always avoided that area. <clears throat> I wouldn't really go by there when I was playing outside by myself. And um, so the same friend that told me that I had, I guess, banished that entity out into the yard told me that it was hanging out by that orange tree. And that window that uh, my wife saw the, the face come, come through the curtain or trying to come through the curtain, that window is directly in front or the orange tree is directly outside that window. So I don't know if it was connected to me or if it's connected to that house or that land. Um, yeah, that, that's something, that was a question that I always always wondered about. But I don't think it's connected to me because it never followed me. It's, it's probably not connected to D, but if I, if I connect all the dots now, maybe it's just connected to that land, that house. Well, orange you glad you moved <laughs> out of that house. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am glad. Womp, womp. But that was my, um, that was my, my pretty much my childhood home. That, that was the only home I really, knew and it was the only consistent place that I really had because I stayed on that I was on that property from five years old to thirty years old. So I was there for about twenty five years. Dude man, those are some crazy experiences, dude. Like why is it that when I do this show I hear all these crazy stories and I'm the one that doesn't ever experience anything. I just hear all the stories. <laughs> I'm like I mean I don't think I want to experience what you experienced, but my <laughs> lord my lord, have you ever felt like you were going crazy when you had some of these experiences? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, when I was younger and, and that's why I, I really, um, I really connected to the, uh, the interview from the last show or the, this most recent show that just, that just aired, um, the, the dark guardian. I really can, um, could relate to him because he talked about how he, no matter what, what, where he went, like he was always tormented by something. And, you know, a lot of people in the house didn't really believe or listen to him or anything like that. And, and growing up, I had a lot of experiences like that. Like I remember one time sitting in, um, in my room and one of my older houses, I, I moved around a lot as a kid. So in one of the houses that we were, me and my mom were staying in, I, um, I remember sitting there and just being completely in a state of panic and, and fear where to the point where I couldn't move, I was frozen and I'm just there huddled up like my knees to my chest sitting on the bed. And I just felt like I was surrounded by something that wanted to hurt. And I would sit there and I grew up Catholic. So I would pray and I would say the, the hell Mary, now I'd say they are father and just basically all the penance prayers that I learned in confession. And so I would just say those things and, uh, it would, it would go away, but I would have to be in a state of desperation until it went away. And I would try to tell my mom about it, but you know, my mom does believe in this kind of stuff, but at that point in time, so she was a young mom. And at this point, I think, uh, I was nine years old and, she was 20, 26. And so she's a single mom and she's got way more concerns than me feeling, feeling scared in my room or in the room by right. myself, you know? So she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go to sleep. And, you know, I get it now as an adult, like, okay, yeah, it, it is, it's not much of a concern to you when you've got all these other things to worry about. I get it. But as a kid, I was like, oh, like nobody believes me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. You know, <laughs> so I always wondered about that, and I and I just uh, spent a lot of my life just wondering what all of this stuff is. And so I really relate to the to um, that last that last show. Yeah, the Dark Guardian show. Yeah, and um, this uh, I was I was a uh, stillborn as well. So I was born dead. And I didn't come back to life till like maybe 10 minutes later. And it's just that the doctors didn't want to give up on me. Like I wasn't, I was completely suffocated by the, by the umbilical cord. But when I was born, I had no vital signs whatsoever. Like there was no faint heartbeat. My entire body was uh, black, blue, purple, all these different colors. Cause there was no circulation going on. I had no heartbeat, no brain activity. Uh, I wasn't, of course I wasn't breathing. And the doctor just decided like he just didn't want to give up on me and he would try. And so he tried for 10 minutes and I came back to life. And, uh, ever since then, uh, well, my mom told me that story and I would always wonder by the time I was like maybe five or six years old, like, what am I, what am I doing here then? Cause I had a concept of, of death and life and had a concept of a soul and because I was raised Catholic and I learned about all of that in school and I would always question like, okay, so why did I come back to life? And how did that, how did that affect me? And, uh, 
I don't know. I always wondered that. And as I got older, I started running into a lot of people who are, who are into this kind of stuff. And, you know, they could tell from right away, like they would, they would always tell, like, you've got one, one foot in death's door already. So it's like, you're kind of halfway in between. And I guess, you know, from time to time, I would be able to interact with all of these things that would happen. And maybe that's why I experienced the stuff I experienced. Um, like when I was younger, I could see stuff, but I would, I, as I got older, I purposely tried to cut that out of my life because it was just causing too much weirdness, you know? <laughs> so that relationship um, with me that I had was the thing that brought me back into this world. Cause for, for several years, I had just completely cut paranormal and spirituality out of my life. Everything was just, work and money and just do what you got to do. Don't complain. Be a nice person. That's it. Nothing else to life. All this stuff is just coincidences. Let it go. But that relationship kind of brought me back into the world very forcefully <laughs> Yeah, because of all the things that happened. And I had to start asking these questions again. Wow. That's, that, that's incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. I, I do you think that, uh, this whole, I don't know, endeavor that you've been on with the show is almost destiny then? I don't know. Like, I, I, Absolutely. Dude, I mean, like the way we met, the, you weren't a listener of my show initially. Like, I mean, we met because of the Vegas shootings and stuff and your, your one post went viral and I c- contacted you asking how you are getting a hold of all the people that were there. And that's how the Vegas shows even started. Like we, we did what, two, three, four of them or something like that, where we had people coming on that were actually there. And the first show was put together because you were connected to these people because your post went viral. And then we built a relationship and now you're working with me on the show. I mean, it just seemed like it was destiny for you to kind of get involved in the show and stuff. I mean, what are the odds of me finding you because of a viral post that you that went viral and contacting you and then from there our relationship actually building, you being an artist and also being involved and and enjoying this kind of content. It's just crazy. Absolutely, man. I I completely agree and uh as a younger man, I I didn't I never believed in uh destiny or fate. Uh because I just felt like, no, you, you make your actions, but, or you make your, you make your destiny for your actions. And I still believe that, but I also believe that there is, there's some, there's like an underlying script here somewhere. And I feel like, um, the only time you recognize that something is destiny is, is when you can look back at everything and, and see the opportunities that you took to allow things to fall into place the way they have now. And so I believe in destiny, but I believe destiny only happens to those who are aware of the opportunities and they take the opportunities and actions necessary to fulfill it. And, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I, uh, I remember listening to your show after you messaged me and I wanted to just hear what the show was about. I remember listening to it like, oh, this is so cool because I'm listening to these stories and I'm seeing all these things in my head. And I just wanted to draw them out and uh, just showing you, deciding to show you like, yeah, I, I listened to your show and I, and I drew this picture and I just wanted to share it like with no expectations at all. Like I just wanted to show you what your show is doing for me. And it's pretty cool that I get to express myself creatively and I have this awesome material, these visuals that are coming through. And 
it just so it just moves into this. And I feel like if you hadn't taken the opportunity to to message me and ask me about the the post that I made about the Vegas shootings, none of this would happen. And if I didn't take the opportunity to just yeah, why don't I just draw it out? Why don't I send it to you and just share it with you and not be afraid of like oh, what if he doesn't think it's nice or whatever? Like yeah. Just show it to you. Just share it with you. And if I hadn't taken that opportunity, all of this stuff, all of these steps were necessary to get here. Yeah. So I, com- I completely believe in it. Absolutely. But dude, I mean, when you, when this, it's so crazy because the way, the way you just said that, it's funny because uh, you would send me sometimes, you know, p- pieces you drew after hearing the show. And I used to think, wow, this is really good. But I was always, like kind of shy to ask you to help with the show because I didn't want you thinking that I was taking advantage of uh, our relationship. And so I remember the one time like you sent me some artwork and you're like, if you ever need help with anything, just let me know. And I was like, well, actually, (laughs) and then then it turns out that you and I subscribe to the very, very same philosophies on how to, you know, you know, cross promotion and working with people and giving and, and it's just like we, it was like we were meant to work together. Uh, I mean, even down to, you know, our go to guys when it comes to like business philosophies and stuff. I mean, it was just like everything clicked on all levels because, uh, you know, we're just pretty much the same person. Even, you know, I look at pictures of you. I'm like, we even kind of look the same. So. <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you're like a, a taller Puerto Rican version of me and I'm like yeah. a smaller Hawaiian version of you got the same bald head we got the the same beard <laughs> yeah pretty much the logo is you yeah yeah when i wear when i wear the uh the, what do you say that because when i wear the the sweatshirt you sent with the logo uh when i wear that out everybody asked if oh, like oh so you're just gonna wear a, a logo of yourself <laughs> a, little, a little narcissistic huh buddy kind of foolish i'm like no no this is a show my friend tony he runs the show and like oh oh Oh, okay. And I showed them the picture and they're like, dude, you guys are like twins. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, man. Like I, I was just looking online today and somebody said that I looked like um, a well-known Bigfooter. And I'm like, how? It doesn't even make sense. He has a full, beautiful he- head of hair. He's uh, <laughs> he's white. <laughs> I mean, I, I said I'm Puerto Rican and a lot darker than him and bald and I can't even grow hair like that. So I don't know how we look the same. <laughs> Yeah, man, we're definitely because I'm Puerto Rican too, but I'm I'm way less Puerto Rican than you are. Yeah, but yeah, like we we have this that same the same silhouette. So yeah, the logo is basically uh basically us. <laughs> Absolutely, one of us. Pick one. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. I appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories, man. I feel like this was something that should have been done a long time ago, and I do appreciate you sharing with us now. Oh yeah, man. No problem. No problem. I've I've got a ton more. So if you ever uh, if you ever need an interview, dude, man, I, I, I'll let you know. Well, yeah. we might do a sequel at some point. Please, that'd be so awesome. I love sharing sharing these stories. Well, that's short, buddy. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support the show. One, go to iTunes and leave a five star rating and review. Two, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron. And three, you can share the show that you're listening to right now around social media. And that is probably the most important thing that you can do to help 
this show grow. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with everybody. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye.